Welcome to HBCU 468, brought to you by ESPN's The Undefeated. This weekly podcast looks at life inside and outside of sports from the unique perspective of the Roden Fellows, handpicked students from six historically black colleges and universities. They're young, they're smart, and they are living one of the most unique experiences in American higher education. I'm Bill Roden, and here are this week's Roden Fellows. I'm Donovan Dulick from North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Simone Benson, Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland. And I'm Isaiah Smalls, and I attend Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we, we're just going to have a really brief discussion because I, I, I've never seen, I don't know what you, what you guys feel, I've never seen anything like I saw uh, last week when Houston completely disintegrated. Uh, you know, James Harden melted. Uh, uh, Mike D'Antoni's sister melted literally. What did you guys think? I mean, uh, I'm just I'm just curious, man. What what did you, what did you guys think about what what happened? Yes, Donovan. I thought, I thought <laughs> yeah, Donovan. Yeah, I thought since you thought Harden. Houston was going to win, I thought James Harden. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. I did. I, know I you think did. James Harden was going to disintegrate into the ground and like not show up for game <laughs> six. I didn't think that was going to happen, but. Yeah, he you wasn't know, I there. Guess, I guess he I was, was wrong. No. Yes. I guess I was wrong. Yes. When you look at James Harden's history and his, like, um, career in big-time moments and big-time games, he's actually done this a lot. Like, this is not the first instance, instance of him choking under pressure. So I don't know what I was thinking there. Um, but I, what I thought was I thought Houston would make enough threes to get past the Spurs and give Golden State a run in maybe five or six games. But – as you can see now, I was wrong because, you know, James Harden let me down last night. But, you know. Well, uh, the way that, I, you know, when I saw – oh, this is Simone from Mor- uh, Morgan's. <laughs> well, from what I saw when I was watching it, I was thinking maybe I could take him. Because he was – I mean, I could not believe what I, I – I literally I, – I, even though, like, I don't know where he was at, he wasn't there. Like, I mean – yeah, it was. I I saw something. I read a stat that you know he didn't take his first shot to like five minutes left in the uh, second quarter, or something like that. It was something strange like that. And I just honestly, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch the game. I watched the highlights uh, online, and you know I was just confused as as you guys were because this is ridiculous. You know, I had James Harden was my. Uh, st- I I play fantasy basketball. I'm a big fantasy uh, football basketball guy. And I had James Harden on my fantasy uh, basketball team. And so I thought he was a savior. You know, I thought he was going to, you know, do well. I, you know, I wanted him to win uh, last night. But I knew that the Spurs would be just mu- a much better matchup for the uh, Warriors. And so I was okay with, you know, them losing, even though I like James Harden as a player. It's because, you know, I just don't think they're a good matchup for the Warriors. They try to they try to outscore their opponents, and you can't outscore the Warriors. You actually have to try to defend. Well, well, two questions from from my from my young HBCU fellows. What what do you think this does to James Harden's uh, legacy? I mean, you know, you you watch ball, and sometimes you could do stuff, and people will forget it, and then there's a new season. Other times, you do stuff that will stick with you forever. What do you guys think of the legacy and when the dust settles, who do you think will be playing for the uh, Eastern Com- Conference Championships, too? But first, Harden's legacy. This is Isaiah from uh, Morehouse. Well, just in terms of legacy, you can see it throughout basketball history. You know, when someone, you know, refuses to shine in the big moment, you, it happened with LeBron James uh, when they played the Mavericks. You know, 
that there was a big asterisk on LeBron's career. There was always that talk, you know, will he ever do it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the best way to silence those doubters is how you got to go win a championship. So that's the only way, you know, James Harden will be able to recover from this. He has to go win a championship, whether that be on the Rockets or he may have to take his talents to somewhere else. Yeah, I definitely think that um, this has put a stain on James Harden's legs. Because just like, just like Isaiah mentioned, People still talk about that 2000 that 2011 performance in the finals from LeBron. Like I don't think LeBron will ever get past that performance because when people are comparing him to the goat Michael Jordan, they're always going to go to that 2011 finals performance. And when we compare James Harden to the greatest that that, that have been in the league at that position, we're going to go to these instances in where he's choked and under under pressure in big time moments. It's just going to be a part of it. And like Isaiah said, he can help kind of restore that his legacy with winning championships but at the end of the day it's always going to be in the back of people's minds now so that's what i feel about it. all right um i t- this is simone i totally agree i think that this is something that's going to be a, uh, that's going to leave a lasting impression and i but you know i do think he can recover from this it's going to take some time but i think that you know it, I, I think he can recover from this, but it's going to leave a lasting impression. Like in the back of my mind, you can still feel like maybe he'll do it again, but he can recover, I believe. Hey, guys, uh, thanks a lot. Um, when we come back, we're going to have a very intriguing discussion with twins, one from Columbia University and one from Alabama State University. Who made the right choice when we come back? HBCUs, predominantly white universities, tribal colleges, and everything in between are preparing or finishing up their graduation ceremonies. We've got a couple of seniors with us today, Riley and Ryan Jones, twin brothers from Chicago, will have walked across the stage by the time this program airs. They're calling us from Alabama State University in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, welcome to the show, guys. Hey, welcome. Thank you. Hey, thank you. Great to be here. So, listen, so obviously... You guys are twins. You grew up in the same household, but you chose to go to different schools. Riley, you chose to study political science at Columbia University in New York. And Ryan, you chose to study criminal justice at Alabama State. Now, just tell me, how how in the world did that happen? I mean, did, how did that happen? Did you guys apply to the same schools? Yeah, this is Riley. Uh, so we did uh, actually apply to the same schools. Um, so as you mentioned, we grew up on, on the south side of Chicago. Uh, both of our grandparents actually went to historically black colleges. So um, even when I was looking at Columbia, I actually applied to Alabama State as well as uh, schools like Howard and Hampton, other HBCUs. Um, but what it really came down to for me was um, uh, affordability, but also just being in a different environment. I knew I didn't want to go south. Um, but I never kind of disparaged the HBCU experience because I had uh, family members that have, had gone through it. Uh, hey, this is Ryan. So, uh, like Riley said, we did apply to a lot of the same schools. Me personally, if uh, anybody knows me and Riley, two different people. Down south was always like uh, my preference because uh, I just love the weather. Um, I guess I say the women um, <laughs> and just having a great experience down there. Um, uh, you know, come from Chicago, I, you know, it gets cold. Um, and since I've been down here, I've, uh, every time I go home, I, I don't think I can take it anymore. So, but I've always wanted to come down south. Um, I just, I just love it down here. Hey, Riley. Hey, Ryan. Um, 
This is Donovan from A&T. Um, you talk about your grandparents and how they went to historically black colleges. Um, what, were there some, any anecdotes they told you about their times being in historically black universities? And how, did that, how do you think that affected you or influenced you in y'all's decisions? Uh, well, my grandma, she talks about it all the time. She went to Alcorn you know, in Mississippi. And she always, you know, she made us apply to Alcorn immediately. That was one of the first colleges we applied to. And she did tell us, uh, she never really gave us anecdotes, but she, I guess she did talk about a lot of times they were protesting um, during that uh, era. My granddad, he doesn't talk too much about his experiences at Lane College, but uh, he's an alpha, and he, that's one thing. He talked a lot about his oh, life, really? Greek life experience. Yeah, right. This is Riley. So, yeah, a lot of what my granddad um, talked about um, about his experience at Lane College. He grew up um, in rural Tennessee in Covington, um, and he told us a lot about how um, he couldn't even afford to go to Lane College, but he but they told him that if he promised to kind of just make a payment as soon as he would get a job after college, that they would they would allow him to go and they'd allow him to graduate. And he did, and he did that every you know every year until he paid off all his debt to Lane College. Um, and I can say that like a lot of schools wouldn't necessarily have done that. And so, um, like, even thinking, when I said, like, thinking about HBCUs, I realized that they were um, places that, you know, of a lot of history, a lot of culture, um, and places that really took um, a vested interest in the students that they, they uh, you know, took yeah. in. Uh, this is Simone from uh, Morgan Morgan State. Uh, did either, either of you feel like you missed out on something by attending, I guess, you know, the op- opposing schools? And, uh, Riley, do you feel like you missed out on the – let's say, quote-unquote, black experience uh, going to Columbia? And um, do you, and Ryan, another question for you is, um, do you think you missed out on having the more, like, diversity experience, um, diverse experience going to Alabama State? So, Riley, if you want to. I think, I think, yeah, naturally I missed a lot of, um, not, I wouldn't say the black experience necessarily, but I, I did miss a lot of kind of more congenial interactions. Um, between like and and having just more more black students on campus, um, but I would say that you know being in New York uh, where there are just a lot of people of color from um, various countries, various um, cultures, um, I realized kind of the richness of the black experience and the diversity of the black experience um, on that campus as well. Um, and so I mean even having joined Alpha Phi Alpha, I was able to kind of experience a different side of like um, and like have an HBCU experience within the context of an Ivy League university. When you say you got, you still kind of got that HBCU experience within within that from joining a fraternity. Like, what can you kind of elaborate that a little bit? Sure. So, I mean, a lot of, I mean, even though I go to a school that's uh, predominantly white, um, I, I, most of my closest friends, all of my closest friends, all of kind of my day to day interactions outside of um, the classroom um, were with black folks. And um, I mean, I won't say that was intentional, but I mean, that's that's just how I ended up. And I would say that, like, um, yeah, I think I think I forget to a certain extent um, that I go to school with a lot of people from um, different backgrounds until I, you know, go to kind of maybe class or go to go to graduation and see, you know, wow, I forget that I go to, you know, uh, predominantly white school. So I do certainly agree with Riley. Um, I think because I, I actually got the opportunity to visit um, visit him this uh, over the spring break in at Columbia and it was a totally different experience for me because I've never been in New York I don't think I made the wrong choice though um, as a, you know after I look back my I think Alabama State was probably the best choice for me just because of all the relationships I built here and like he said the his him being able to experience a 
uh, uh, HBCU experience through Greek life is kind of uh, that's I think that's that's fantastic because uh, you know a lot of people don't get to actually have that experience, especially kind of going to a PWI. And one thing I did, I always consider a PWI just because I knew a lot of times I was told um, back in high school, you know, sometimes they won't even look at you if you have an HBCU degree, which is uh, unfortunate um, to me because I feel like we all earned our degree just like uh, everybody else. But nevertheless, I think um, I recommend going to HBCU for anybody um, as far as diversity here. We don't necessarily get the diversity as obviously Columbia, but talking, we deal with a lot of uh, folks from transfer students from uh, Africa, you know, some from Gambia, Nigeria. Um, We have actually Australian students. We have some who come from London. You know, we get a small experience. It's not the full full thing, but I take what I can get here. (laughs) (laughs) Our guests are the twins, uh, Riley Jones from uh, Columbia University in New York and his twin brother, Ryan Jones, from Alabama State, uh, obviously in Alabama. They're speaking to us from Alabama. Isaiah, you had a question uh, for, for, for the twins. Yeah, this is Isaiah from Morehouse College. Uh, what's it like when you guys go home? Uh, is there a rivalry? Do people assume one of you is smarter than the other because one goes to Ivy League? Or how do you guys handle that? Uh, well, this is Ryan. You know, when I tell people I, my brother goes to Columbia, and these are people like my classmates, that's all, so he's a smart one. I said, well, you go to Alabama State, too, so what are you saying, you know? <laughs> so uh, it's definitely a, a lot of trash talking from other people, but, you know, uh, I think uh, we both have, like I said, we very different personalities. We read different books, so I think the type of knowledge we both gain is uh, obviously different. Like, he's more into politics. Uh, me, personally, I like sports and, and uh, like Greek history and all that. That's my thing. I don't know why. It just is. But like, I think as far as knowledge goes, it's, we're on the same spectrum. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, this is Riley. Uh, I would say that definitely, um, yeah, I, I've had people kind of say like, oh, you're a smart twin or something like that. But um, I, I don't think that's like by any means true because I think we like from a very young age like our grandparents were like you guys are going to college it doesn't really i mean they didn't necessarily care where they wanted us to go where we wanted to go um but that education was something that was important um and like not just you know going to school and getting grades but actually taking in and understanding material um and being passionate about what we're, we're passionate about i think um another thing having gone to columbia having grown up where we grew up um and going to we went through chicago public schools from kindergarten through 12th grade um having gone there um, and having that experience and then getting to Columbia where it's a school that has like a $9 billion endowment, I would say that I'm even more kind of aware of the privilege I have of going to that school um, and like understanding that like my, I mean, though my education is like, like more expensive, that that doesn't make it more valuable. Um, And that the experiences that Ryan has and that my other friends that go to other schools have is also, you know, equally valuable. Uh, To go back to what each of you are saying, uh, I think, Ryan, you were saying that um, sometimes people look at the HBCU degree or whatever and say, oh, well, you know, something less than. And, of course, they'll look at a Columbia degree or a predominantly white and say, oh, great. Um, Have you, both of you, for both of you, have you heard that or run into that? Riley, have you heard uh, even black students talk about HBCUs kind of talking down? And, Ryan, have you, I mean, what's sort of been your anecdotal experience experience about what what students what black students may feel about HBCUs 
Uh, this is Ryan. So I think, I, well, I feel um, definitely here in my school, I can only speak from, uh, we've have, you know, we have a, such a deep pride for our university and that goes, and then it extends to all HBCUs. Sometimes I feel like we all have a bond together because, you know, when you say HBCU, sometimes you have, like, especially in this day and age, you're going to have people saying, um, you're not really, like we were talking about earlier, it's not really a diverse experience. However, uh, the, I think, like I said earlier, the work we put in, uh, the grind and all that, I think that just makes uh, our, our, our love for the university stronger and that we don't, and we don't all, we don't look down on PWIs either. I've seen arguments all the time, uh, you know, between HBCU versus PWI. However, like I said, it's all a college experience. It's, at some point, y'all, you have to realize, like, we're all going through the same thing. And um, and you can get an HBCU degree and still be at the same job as, a, as somebody who went to Penn, you know what I'm saying? Uh, so I think a lot of people have to consider that when you talk down about another person's college in general, you know. Um, as far as being African-American going to HBCU, um, you don't – I think – I can understand what people say the interaction within the workplaces might be different because I'm, I'm developing a little Southern twang. And uh, uh, when I talk to people on the phone, they're like, where are you from? My girl I said, no, I'm actually from Chicago. It's uh, it's hard, you know, explaining to them, like, HBCU, like, what I experienced, you know, uh, as far as, like, uh, issues that we can that we may experience that other schools don't. Mm-hmm. What, about, what about you, Riley? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've, I've had um, – I mean, countless discussions about this, but also I've experienced um, very interestingly um, kind of people valuing the like the value of a Columbia degree, right? So I, I when I first uh, my first semester of college, I was uh, helping a woman get elected to New York City Council, and I was um, at a fundraiser, um, and a guy comes up to me and he's like, "Oh, um, you know, where are you from? What are you doing? You know, I'm like, oh, I'm volunteering on the campaign." And so we keep talking, and he's like, oh, where are you from? I said, I'm from Chicago. He's like, oh, the South Side? I said, yeah. I was like, he's like, oh. He's like, okay, uh, where'd you go to high school? I was like, oh, public school or whatever. He said, where do you go to college now? I said, oh, I go to Columbia. He says, what, are you a genius or something? Um, mm-hmm. As if, like, my my be, kind of being black, or maybe not even me, but being from the South Side, at least, and going to Columbia, those were, like, two incompatible things. Um, but at the same time, he's like, well, they're like that degree obviously kind of holds some value or prestige in his eyes. Um, and so that was kind of the first time where I was like, wow, like I didn't realize how, you know, much value is placed on a Columbia degree um, relative to, you know, going to a high school that most people didn't, that wasn't, you know, ex- exceptionally spectacular. Um, I was, um, I, I started learning how to use that to my advantage, right? So, going to career fairs and saying, oh, I go to, I'm a Columbia student, and they look at you and they're like, oh, well, this is not my, you know, archetype of a Columbia student. Um, that actually does tend to work. I, I've tried to use it to my advantage. Um, even, though, I mean, the way my kind of white peers would do as well. Right. Hey, um, Riley, Ryan, please stay on the line. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to open up this discussion to a few more students. Uh, we're going to have uh, a seniors, graduating seniors from the University of Michigan, uh, Morehouse College, Georgia Institute of Technology, North Carolina A&T, and um, we're going to open up the discussion. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Uh, Welcome back to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows podcast. Uh, On the last segment, we had 
of the twins, Riley Jones from Columbia and Ryan Jones from Alabama State, uh, talking about their experiences. Uh, we're going to expand the discussion to a few more students. Uh, these are graduating seniors representing uh, HBCUs and predominantly white institutions. Uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves? All right. Uh, well, my name is Keiston France. I am from North Carolina A&T State University. Hi, my name is Alexandria Edwards. I'm a recent graduate of the University of Michigan Ann Arbor with a degree in political science and performing arts management, and I'm from Dearborn, Michigan. Hi, this is Robin McKinney. I'm a graduating senior at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, um, majoring in economics and philosophy. Hey, my name is Zion Thomas. Uh, I'm a graduating senior from Georgia Tech, uh, majoring in computer science and minoring in business. Uh, hey, 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 guys, seriously, thank you so much for being uh, on the show. And thanks so much for uh, your majors and what you plan to do after graduation. Uh, first of all, just congratulations to all of you. I know this has been a long, tough climb, I'm assuming. And uh, I'd like to know just briefly what you guys think about what happened at Bethune-Cookman uh, last weekend, um, uh, last week, rather. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it by the time, um, you know, we get into this, this. This will be a few days older. But i just like to hear everybody's way in a little bit. Do you think the students were out of line? Do you think they were right by booing the Secretary of Education? Um, just try to get an idea of what you guys think. Alexander, what, what did you think as you heard the story unfold? Uh, I think that uh, it was a bit ironic uh, when the news was first released on who would be the speaker. I definitely think um, that it's difficult uh, because as uh, a graduate myself, I know that um, whenever people do uh, present uh, potential speakers for commencement, it's a pretty big deal because, like you mentioned before, you've worked all four years or five years uh, to ensure that you graduate, and then your commencement is a pretty big portion of that ceremony and, the, and a part of that memory. Um, so when you uh, kind of alter your perceptions of that in a very drastic way. Uh, I can definitely understand how uh, the students would feel. Um, I'm not exactly sure if that was the best method. However, I definitely can sympathize uh, with those students and, and understand why they would have uh, a little bit of discourse internally uh, regarding the, the selected commencement speaker. Mm -hmm. Robin, what do you think? Robin from Morehouse. Hi. Right, so, um, I, I do agree with uh, some of the points that she just made. I think um, mainly I would say that I don't necessarily agree with um, maybe the approach or the method to voicing the concerns the students had, but I do feel like it was justified um, just partially given the extent to which the speaker um, has to some extent, um, you know, expressed fairly patronizing views towards uh, universities that represent the school that they attend. Um, and I mean, I guess, you know, being someone that is anticipating graduating um, next weekend, you know, here at Morris, we have Van Jones coming to speak. I mean, he's a, an advocate for the type of college that I am graduating from. Um, and it, I guess just if I'm a student at Bethune-Cookman, I've, you know, I've been here for four years. I've kind of paid my dues. I, I'm on my way out. I, I just kind of feel like that having a speaker um, that collectively the student body agrees does not at all represent um, the ideals of the college. Um, I would be pretty upset as well. I don't know if I would voice it that way, um, but I definitely feel like the, the actions themselves have some justification behind them. Uh, Mr. Thomas from, uh, from Georgia Tech, what do you think? 
Um, yeah, I would say I agree with what the students did. Um, I don't think it's respectful at all to them to have her come and speak, um, especially since that is a, a historically black college, um, because of what she's, uh, how she's spoken on, on schools um, like that. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't think it's important to police how the students showed uh, their disapproval, but more so that they were actually speaking out on showing that they didn't agree with the institution allowing her to come. Mm-hmm. Keaston, you still on the line? What do you think? You know, kind of piggybacking off what my colleagues said, you know, I agree that, you know, the students had a right to voice their opinion um, on not being on, on the side of, of, their, of their speaker simply because of, you know, uh, her past action. Uh, however, I do disagree um, with how they, some some of the people handled it. I think it went overboard uh, slightly. Um, there is a way to uh, voice your opinion in a more civilized way. Nevertheless, I do understand um, um, they're, they're, they're doing that. Um, and, you know, also I would have to say that, you know, you have to be careful, um, as people watching from the outside in, um, you know, of how the media presents that to you. Because they can always put that type of thing into a negative light. Uh, so, um, you know, always have media literacy and remember that, you know, it's not always what it seems, but I definitely understand their opinion and, and they should have that right to voice it. Hey, you guys. Uh, this is Donovan from A&T. Um, well, my question to you guys is, do any of you think HBCUs are still relevant? And are, I- individually, are you guys happy with the school that you chose? And if you're not, why? If you are, why? Um, this is Alexandria from the University of Michigan. Uh, I think that the college selection process is an individualistic experience, and I think that you need to make the best selection for you. Um, I don't think that um, African Americans are a monolith. I think that we all have our individual journeys, and that the best way for us to uh, move our people forward is for us to make the best um, decisions for us individually. With that being said, um, I definitely do think that uh, HBCUs are uh, relevant. Um, I think that especially in times when uh, African Americans were not afforded the opportunity to pursue post-secondary education, um, that they were able to provide those opportunities. Um, And then once the doors were opened for us at other schools, um, it definitely presented uh, other African Americans with the opportunity to either choose to continue attending those HBCUs or to venture out and try and attend PWIs. Uh, With that being said, um, I definitely do not regret my decision. Um, I bleed maize and blue very proudly. Uh, and I actually um, only applied to one HBCU. Um, and the University of Michigan, along with some other Ivy Leagues, were um, my top choice. But that was just because of the programs that were uh, of interest to me at the time. Uh, I definitely think a, a plethora of variables play into it. Like uh, if you have family members or close family friends that have attended HBCUs or PWIs, then obviously um, your decision would be slightly influenced um, for me personally, I don't have any family members that attended HBCUs. Uh, some mentors definitely have. So um, because I was not um, given the opportunity in the past, I didn't um, really have that broad of a perspective or understanding of them. The only thing I knew was, you know, Ivy Leagues or uh, Big Ten universities or, or PWIs. Um, so very proud of my decision, but I definitely respect um, my friends that attend HBCUs who are equally as proud. Uh, as long as we are all uh, obtaining our degrees, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's a good day. Um, we talk about the, nurt- the nurturing environment 
and how we feel at home. But I'm, I want to ask the same question to you guys. Did you guys feel at home uh, at your respective uh, campuses? Um, you know, because again, one of the overriding questions is well, do black students at black schools uh, take each other for granted or are they closer? Or do black students at predominantly white schools uh, feel a tighter bond because they are a minority? I'm just wondering what uh, Alexandria, what you and Zion think about that. Hey, this is Zion from Georgia Tech. Uh, yeah, I just feel really at home uh, with the black community in Georgia Tech. Um, since we are, like, I think we're five, five to or seven, five to seven percent of the population, there's definitely a lot fewer of us than, at, say, at HBCU. But because there are not as many of us, we're really close knit. Um, so everybody knows each other really well. Um, and the I think the social atmosphere um, is also like we're really really close together. Uh, we have like the uh, Georgia Tech African American Student Union, the Georgia Tech Society of Black Engineers, uh, the Caribbean Student Association, African Student Association, um, Association African Americans uh, Association of Blacks in, in Energy as well, um, and also the MPHC. These organizations do a really good job of bringing the community together. Um, so even as a freshman coming in, it's really easy to get to know people, even though there's not as many of us on campus. It's really easy to get to know people. Um, and, like, the connection between, like, upperclassmen and lowerclassmen is also uh, really good because upperclassmen who have been through all the tough classes, uh, like, at, at a rigorous school like Georgia Tech, um, it's important for the upperclassmen to help out, the uh, like, the freshmen and the sophomores. So we, we do a really good job of that as well, like helping people out in classes and giving advice on what teachers to take and what teachers not to take, um, uh, stuff like that. I think we're really, really close. It's a really close-knit community here at Tech. Listen, uh, you guys have been great. We could uh, go on forever, but this has really been the beginning of, a, I think, a great dialogue. Before I let everybody go, uh, just um, I know you may have said at the beginning, uh, just uh, what are you doing this summer for all the graduating seniors? What do you plan to be doing uh, in the fall? I know that, uh, Riley, during the first segment, you told us what you're going to be doing. Uh, Ryan, you told us. What about uh, for uh, Alexandra, uh, Alexandria, Robin, uh, Zion, uh, Keiston? What are you guys going to be doing um, uh, moving forward? This is Alexandria from the University of Michigan. Um, so actually tomorrow morning at about 6 a.m. I'll be boarding a plane to Mongolia. Um, I have a fellowship with the University of Michigan School of Public Health, so I'll be there for three months doing research um, with the medical school in Ulaanbaatar uh, on lead poisoning in children and nomadic families. Uh, so I'll be doing research for the entire summer. In the fall, I will be attending graduate school at the Berkeley College of Music in Valencia, Spain. Uh, and then after I obtain my Master's of Arts, um, the end goal is to obtain my Juris Doctorate in Entertainment, Media, and Intellectual Property so that I can become a mogul in the music entertainment industry. So that's the goal. All right. I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> um, well, this is Keith in France in North Carolina A&T State University. Um, after graduating, um, starting at the beginning of June, first week of June, uh, I have an awesome opportunity of working for NASCAR. Um, particularly with a race team um, by the name of Obiko Racing, uh, which happens to be the first African-owned race team in NASCAR. Um, for them, uh, well, with them, uh, I interned last summer, and they loved everything that I did. They, uh, you know, they commended me on, on everything that I did there. 
they offered me a full-time opportunity to come and work with them um, for at least three years. I signed a three-year contract as a media specialist and uh, as a pit crew, pit crew guy. I'll be a tire changer going over the wall, changing tires for a living. And uh, so uh, that's what I plan on doing um, after graduating um, and, you know, hopefully moving up in the business from there. Uh, maybe a corporate position later on that I could possibly land an interview with um, maybe in later June. Um, I don't have a lot of more detail on that, but uh, so far working with the race team uh, as a tire changer and a media specialist. Um, this is Robin McKinney from Morehouse. Um, I'm So after graduation, I'm working uh, as an art curation um, as an intern uh, for the Crystal Bridges Museum of Contemporary Art. Um, and I guess at, at the end of the summer, um, I'll be flying out to California um, for a full-time position at Apple, uh, working in the corporate finance department. So I'll be doing that for uh, the next next two years. This is Zion from Georgia Tech. Um, I'm going to be doing software engineering uh, with Capital One in New York. Um, I'll start in July. Oh, great. Hey, well, Greg, you got listen. Congratulations once again, and thank you guys so much for for joining us, uh, Riley and Ryan Jones, uh, Alexandra Edwards, Robin McKinney, uh, Zion Thomas, Keystone France. Uh, thank you so so much. You guys have been wonderful, and of course, uh, Rodent Fellows, uh, you guys as usual. Thank you so much. All right, thank yous abound, and we will be right back with our, our fellows and their final thoughts on considering this. Donovan, you go first. Pundits and NBA fans debate over the GOAT, the player deemed the greatest of all time. Many pundits like Skip Bayless pick Chicago Bulls shooting guard Michael Jordan. After all, he did both six, six rings, six finals MVPs, and five regular season MVPs, and a host of other accomplishments as well. Jordan's time with the Wizards did not count. Yet, there are other players that have incredible career credentials. Some have even surpassed Jordan in major statistical categories. One of these players is LeBron James. This man has already elevated past Jordan in assists, rebounds, and blocks, and it's likely he will eclipse Jordan in points as well. Now, I am not saying that LeBron is the GOAT right now over Jordan. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, consider this. Let's stop falling victim to the outdated notion that Jordan is unequivocally the greatest player to ever step on the court because he's not. Okay. (laughs) Simone. Can we say fraud? Social media recently erupted jabs and jeers after rapper Sean Moss, a.k.a. Bow Wow, was caught stunting for the gram. This man posted a picture on Instagram indicating he was on a private plane heading to New York to promote the upcoming season of the reality TV show Growing Up Hip Hop Atlanta. Moments later, the passenger sitting behind Moss on a commercial flight posted a a pic of the rapper showing that he was on the same plane. Social media is having a field day with what is called the Bow Wow Challenge. This means people are posting a side-by-side image, one glamorous and then the other one busted, which is the reality. One is fantasy, and the other one is actually the harsh reality. Bow Wow did respond to the whole situation saying, My hustle is nonstop. I never stop hustling. Consider this. Never stunt for Instagram, because you will be exposed eventually. (laughs) Isaiah? Finally, a show I can relate to. Too often, stories centered around the black experience fail to make their characters multidimensional. Dear White People has broken the mold. This series touches on a bevy of issues in the black community, including masculinity in various forms. 
there's Lionel Higgins, played by Deron Horton, who is a black student journalist dealing with his homosexuality in a sphere where black males are extremely homophobic. There's Reggie Green, played by Marquis Richardson, who is a Panther-esque activist but struggles with having his manhood stripped away, yet finds solace and vulnerability find solace and vulnerability by performing spoken word. Wait, can I do that one again? Three, two, one. There's Reggie Green, played by Marky Richardson, who is a Panther-esque activist, but struggles with having his manhood stripped away. He finds solace and vulnerability by performing spoken word. Brandon Bell plays uh, Tro- Troy Fairbanks. Uh, uh, three, two, one. Brandon Bell plays Troy Fairbanks, a would-be political superstar on campus who seeks to find an identity separate from his overbearing father, who also happens to be the dean of the fictitious school these students attend. These characters and storylines are more accurate and thoughtful reflections of the black male experience in college in a college setting. TV often shows black males as cops, criminals, or womanizing athletes. Those archetypes are real, yet this show reveals struggles and complexities that are often overlooked and misunderstood. Consider this. Black males must wear different hats to gain social equality, capital, love, and happiness. Thanks for listening to HBCU 468. This show is produced by Aaron Mathewson. Tony Chow and Jorge Estrada are in the control room. Special thanks to David Cummings. Get all of the HBCU 468 podcasts, as well as All Day, What Are Those, and Morning Roast by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast and don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone.